1: Hey, 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 what's cracking? Welcome back to Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio with your host, Darren McDuffie. And please visit imthefatman.com. Tonight we have a good show for you. It's called The Dow of Paleo, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I think I remember it as Dow of Paleo. It's not – you don't pronounce it like a T, but it's The Dow of Paleo. We have hosts – the authors of that show – authors of that book, rather – Joe Salama, and also Jason Goldberg. So should be a power-packed show, but before we get into that show, remember that you can call in and ask a question at 646-716-9371. Again, 646-716-9371. And if you're digging the show, please go on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash I'm the Fat Man and like that, and you can also get all the show updates through that. And also, if you're my friend on Facebook at Darren McDuffie, I also post an event all the time for the show so you'll be updated on the shows. If you want to connect with me on Twitter, please do so at the fat underscore man. And you can connect with me on Twitter. I'm also on Pinterest as well. And I can't even remember my Pinterest address, but I'm on Pinterest and I don't use that much. I gotta get into the groove of that, but I don't really use it much. But tonight I'm very excited. I'm gonna have two guests on the show tonight. I know we did this before with uh, Jason and Mira Calton and then we had someone else call in, my friend, uh, Diane Kayser, but tonight we have two authors that are coming on, uh, Joe Salama and also Jason Goldberg, to talk about their book, The Dow of Paleo. Funny book. Um, it's a breath of fresh air from what I've been reading. Sometimes the books can get a little bit drab, but this book has a lot of humor in it, and I would recommend Recommend it to you, especially if you're someone who wants to know a little bit more about paleo and the paleo diet. Really good book. Very, very easy to, do, easy to read. So without further ado, let me bring Jason and Joe on the show. Hey, Darren. J- Jason and Joe, welcome to Perfectly Health and Tone Radio. How are you guys doing? Doing well.
2: Good. Doing great, man.
1: Good.
2: Thanks for
1: having us. Good. Yeah, we're excited to be here. Good, Great book, man, great book, because the book actually tells you a lot of things. It kind of intertwines a lot of things in there that people really don't know. It doesn't just cover paleo. It covers those fitness things and health things that you really need to know, so I'm excited about getting you guys on and and talking about it. But before we get into the book, can you guys tell us how you discovered paleo? And is it – I've heard on other interviews and podcasts people say paleo. Is it paleo or is it paleo or is it just – Everybody pronouncing this thing wrong.
3: I think uh, it's tomato and tomato, uh, Darren, however you <laughs> want to pronounce it. As long as, you, uh, as long as it works for you, I think it's cool.
1: Cool, cool. Um, so tell us how you guys discovered Um You, you covered this in the book, but I kind of wanted you to cover it with the audience. How did you both discover uh, paleo? Jason, you go first.
3: Actually, Joe, I mean since I I think I'm like second in the lineage there behind you, so why don't you start and I'll follow off that.
2: Okay, that sounds good. Um so gosh, I think it was November of two thousand and eleven. The the years are going by really fast now. Um and my friend had told me about on ten different occasions. You know, you need to go paleo, you need to try paleo. He had attention deficit disorder and I had attention deficit disorder. And he said, yeah, this will really help you, you know, with your attention deficit disorder. I've heard people say that about a a billion different things. And when you have attention deficit disorder, the last thing you need is something else to do. So Mm -hmm. I kind of ignored him um, until around the ninth or tenth time I decided to give it a go. And I cleaned out my whole house not knowing really what I was doing. And it took a while to get there. It took uh, three painful weeks of uh, withdrawal from the junk food and from the excessive amounts of grains and carbs I was eating. Uh, But at the end of the three weeks, I emerged a new man, completely born again. I didn't have any more symptoms of attention deficit disorder, didn't need to take the medication I was taking, and I just felt incredible. And the thing about me is whenever I'm enthusiastic about something, you can't shut me up about it. So I started telling people, and to this day, I'm still telling people, I think I have about five or six hundred converts under my belt um, and that's it you know I'm, I'm a new man and this is, continues to be one of the most exciting things in my life and I want to spread the word and spread the message because I want other people to get off their medication too and to start to feel younger than they've ever felt in their life.
1: Yeah I heard from Dr. Shauna she told me Dr. Shauna Young for those of you out there who are listening she's on this show as well um, she has a show on uh, about uh, naturopaths a naturopaths a, our quacks and I must be a duck is her show. And you can go back and listen to that in the archives. But she said, you're the only person that can walk into a room and have everybody uh, wanting to do paleo after you walk out. She said, you're just <laughs> that convincing about the paleo diet. And she recommended for me to, to get you on. So I'm glad she did that. That's great.
2: Um, yeah, yeah not, not, not a hundred
1: percent, but I can get most of them. Yeah. It's, it's an easy sell, I think, but, uh, <laughs>
3: <laughs> Jason, uh, yeah, exactly.
1: tell Jason, tell us how you how you discovered paleo.
3: Well, I come into the story after Joe, you know, and, and um, I tell the story in the book that, uh, you know, here I was a, a former college athlete, and you know, always prided myself on fitness and on on eating well,
0: <clears throat>
3: and uh, you know, I, I didn't need anybody to tell me, uh, you know, how to eat or or how to exercise or how to live, you know, because I knew, you know, I've been doing it forever. And, uh, you know, Joe, I, you know, whereas Joe ignored his friend ten times, I probably ignored Joe 15 to 20 times. Now, you know, Joe's very hard <laughs> to ignore, um, as I find out every day, uh, even though I, I tried very hard. But uh, what I realized eventually, Darren, was is that, you know, for a guy who was supposed to be fit and for a guy who was supposed to be healthy, I didn't feel very fit, and, and I didn't feel very healthy. Uh, I didn't sleep well. Mm-hmm. Um, I I... My workouts left me exhausted. Uh, I didn't have a lot of energy. My digestion was poor. You know, I I had pretty significant digestive issues. I I didn't have the cognitive issues that Joe had, but, you know, that's probably, you know, kind of just one of the few things I didn't have. Um, Really, I I, I was the quintessential unhealthy, healthy person. So after some kind of, you know, transformative events in my life, I decided that I was going to start listening to Joe. Uh, and while that's usually not a good idea, uh, in this case, it was it was an excellent <laughs> idea. Uh, so I, I went, you know, kind of really whole hog into paleo and not just the diet. And, and we're going to talk a lot today, Darren, about the fact that, as Joe and I see it, you know, paleo isn't a diet. It, it's a lifestyle. It's a way of living, and it's a Tao. And it incorporates a lot of different elements. So I went whole hog on the whole Dao, And literally, it sounds like a, a hokey story, but believe me, I'm, I'm the least – touchy-feely, most cynical person you'll ever run into. But literally within three or four months, I had completely transformed the way I felt. I was sleeping well. My digestive issues were gone. I was doing things athletically and flexibility-wise that I hadn't done since I was 22 years old. And I thought to myself, there's really nothing outstanding about me. Uh, I'm just basically kind of living right now the way a human is supposed to live. So like Joe... I wanted to kind of share this experience with uh, other people. And, and we use a term that comes from our, our good friend, Karen Pendergrass, who is uh, affiliated or actually runs the uh, – the, uh, the, uh, what's the name of the organization, Joe? I forget. It's the Paleo- International
2: Paleo Movement Group.
3: Right, the International Paleo Movement Group. So Karen coined the phrase, paleoing it forward. So that's what I wanted to do. So I founded the Paleo Padawan program. So for those of you who aren't Star Wars geeks like Joe and I, a Padawan is an apprentice Jedi so what I, I, uh, what I do is, is I, I mentor people uh, through 30 days of, of kind of transformation into the paleo lifestyle. And for me, it's unbelievably satisfying. It's like having my own transformation over again, watching these people really transform their lives. And uh, so, you know, that's my story, as much as I hate to admit it, because, uh, you know, in reality, uh, uh, it, it's, it's all because of Joe and the fact that I listen to him.
1: So Joe converted you quick quick uh what did you play in uh college Jason?
3: Yeah, so I was an outside linebacker and a strong safety uh football oh, player. Oh,
1: okay, you football. Yeah, football. Okay. All right. So let's let's jump into exercise because you mentioned that you were always exhausted and I know in the book Joe touched on the fact that he ran a lot. Um What's the whole idea behind – because I I see this all the time. I go into the gym and I see people on the treadmill doing – and I used to be one of those guys. I remember way back when I was out of of shape and had picked up a a lot of weight after my college career playing basketball, I would just go on the treadmill and run for 45 minutes. What's actually wrong with that, guys?
3: Yeah, so right off the bat, you know, we talk about the basic paradigm of fitness uh, as it exists right now in America. And basically what it involves is, you know, doing cardio um, again and again and again, and then maybe doing, you know, kind of boot camp type workouts where someone who looks like Lewis Gossett Jr. screams at you and calls you names until you pass out doing (laughs) push-ups. So, you know, whereas, you know, that, whereas that, you know, has become the paradigm. It's unfortunately from a biological point of view, not very sound. Um, the, The cardio that you do unfortunately, you know, for, not to get too sciencey for a little while, but the first thing that it does is it spikes your levels of cortisol, which is a, is a hormone that, amongst other things, causes you to retain fat around your midsection, in particular for men, and catabolize muscle and protein, which means you're burning the very muscle tissue you want to preserve. Um, so right off the bat, you know, that, that's not a good thing. Um, secondly, the cardio only recruits one type of your slow-twitch muscle fibers uh, it, you have four different types of muscle fibers. Uh, one to two of them is, are fast twitch and the rest are slow twitch. And so by only recruiting the one type of muscle fiber by doing cardio, unfortunately you don't increase your insulin sensitive activity very much, which means a lot of the food that you eat is more likely to be stored as fat. So from a um, – and then there are a lot of really unattractive, you know, kind of things for men associated with excessive cardio, supported by the scientific studies – like loss of testosterone levels, all of which um, kind of contribute to um, retention of body fat, you know, less, less, uh, less functional muscle. So really the paradigm, uh, and, and of course the excessive uh, kind of circuit training and the high-intensity interval training does the same thing. So in reality, this paradigm that we've kind of adopted in America, that what you need to do is run until you pass out and then do this HIIT training with Louis Gossett screaming at you and calling you obscenities, is really kind of absolutely the worst thing you can do if your goal is to get healthy and fit and and to stay physically vital.
1: What's the what's the verdict on CrossFit?
2: Well, um, don't I in, I'm sorry, guy. Oh, that's okay. Um, I mean, we both tried it and we both did the gamut. You know, I mm-hmm. have a lot of friends who do CrossFit and they love it. And part of the philosophy of our book is you need to figure out what works for you. So, mm-hmm. um, but for I think for the average person. You know, when you sign up with a CrossFit gym, they want you to do it five days a week. Um, and we, I think, I think, I think the mainstream would say that that's not very good advice um, for the average person. For some people, they can thrive on it. If they do well on it, that's great. But I would say no more than one or two sessions per week. And a lot of gyms don't even offer that
1: opportunity, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. We, we what offer, about? We
3: offer. ahead. An... I'm sorry, Darren. I apologize.
1: No, go ahead, Jason. Go ahead.
3: No, we offer basically an, an evolutionary template where if, you know, you're, you're extremely adipose or you have some weight to lose or you have functional issues, you know, we tell you just start by walking, by doing, you know, kind of long, slow walking. And then as you become more fit, maybe you can add a program where you're, where you're lifting heavy things, but under the supervision of a trainer and in a sensible way. And then maybe you can add sprinting. And then maybe at the very end you can add high-intensity interval training Hit uh, training, but in reasonably small amounts, you know, in, in 5, 10, 15-minute intervals.
2: To yeah, kind of maximize never, never your, that long, never, never long in duration.
3: Right, mm-hmm. you know, to avoid this kind of, you know, cortisol trap, to, to work with this glycolytic pathway and to really kind of maximize your ability to burn fat and to build muscle. So cycling back, I mean, I think there's a lot of really good CrossFit boxes that do things responsibly, but unfortunately it's a franchise. So, you know, we do see a lot of what Joe mentioned, which is really overtraining and excessive training and, and a, a failure to kind of monitor form and to make sure that when people are doing Olympic lifts that they're doing them correctly and avoiding injuries. So it, it's definitely a mixed bag. I, I have to agree with what Joe said, yeah. which is rare.
1: What about, um, <laughs> And I, I mean, when I was coming up, and I, um, I'm not that old, but... <laughs> But with us coming up, um, we always relied on cardio as, as sort of that thing to lose weight. And then as I became a little bit older and I started doing personal training myself, I found out the importance of weightlifting. And you go into that in the book a little bit about the import, not only the importance of weightlifting but, more importantly, lifting heavy weight. Can you kind of touch on that, both of you guys?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I think that like Jason was saying about this, the fiber and the twitching, um, I think what a lot of people are worried about, and you got this in the book, so we're being a little repetitive for the benefit mm-hmm. of those who haven't read it, um, is a lot of people think that, you know, when, when you lift weights, you're going to turn into some big, bulky, you know, guy who, can't, who has to stretch to comb his hair um, rather than build lean muscle. You know, and people always have that phrase, I want to get bulky, I want to get toned. What the hell does that mean? You know, what is toned? Tone means you have muscle on your body that you want to add, and you want to have enough, uh, little enough body fat that that muscle shows. So, you know, those are the goals that we all want, um, you know, whether you call it that or not. And that lifting heavy won't give you, won't turn you into Arnold Schwarzenegger overnight, you know, um, and certainly less so for women who, you know, are working with less testosterone. So that's a fear I think a lot of people have. Um, when they hear that, um, that, that I don't think is founded. It's not well, not well founded.
1: Yeah. You also bo- mentioned bo- like um, – go ahead. I'm sorry.
3: Yes. Yeah, so the bottom line is is that I want to get people away from the paradigm of quote-unquote losing weight.
0: You know, the amount of
3: gravity the ex- that the earth exerts on you is, is pretty insignificant, you know, and, and we get kind of roped into this kind of losing weight paradigm. But really the best thing that you can do is – is to, to change your body composition, right? Build lean functional muscle and you want to lose fat. So, the reason that as Joe said, the reason that weightlifting is really important is because <clears throat> you know, lifting heavy things recruits your your high, you know, your your fast twitch muscle fibers. So, when you recruit your fast twitch muscle fibers, you create a state of insulin sensitivity. So, what that means is is that when you're insulin sensitive, the calories that you consume are much more likely to be uptaken into the cells for cellular function and to be uptaken into the liver and the muscles for glycogen storage rather than been taken to the liver and turned into um, uh, stored as triglycerides in the fat cells. So the main thing that lifting heavy weights does for you other than you know, build muscle and, and make you aesthetically pleasing and functional is it creates this insulin sensitivity. And, and really there are very few things other than sprinting and lifting heavy weights To create this insulin sensitivity, Uh, in fact, uh, long-distance running doesn't. It does the reverse. It it down-regulates insulin sensitivity. And then as you build more fast-twitch muscle fiber, at a resting state, you're much more insulin-sensitive. So it creates this kind of perpetual motion machine of fat burning that allows you to kind of, you know, keep your body composition in that nice muscular and less fat range. So as Joe said, Women don't have the testosterone to build, you know, big bulky muscles in most cases. And men, if you want to become a bodybuilder, you, you train in a very different way than we suggest. It requires eating a phenomenal number of calories, doing a very specific kind of training, you know, kind of doing heavy weightlifting in a sensible way. Won't make you bulky. It will build lean functional muscle.
1: When we get into uh, talking about eating, I wanted you to explain insulin sensitivity. For a lot of people out there, we just throw these buzzwords around because we're in the industry. But I wanted you to explain that a little bit once we get into the eating part of uh, paleo and and, um, how everything works. But um, you mentioned a specific scheme in there to work out to uh, as far as uh, the number of reps um, can you talk about that? Can both of you talk about that? I don't know, Jason or Joe, about lifting the heavy weight, but staying within a certain uh, rep, types of uh, reps, the number of reps that you're doing. Jason,
2: go, go ahead, Joe.
3: Okay. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, so um, we recommend uh, kind of a basic vanilla template. Um, because these, these, because these, uh, these, these lifts are, are very, very form-dependent, and they require you to maintain the proper technique. And as you get more fatigued, your technique deteriorates. We generally recommend that you kind of operate in a regime of, of relatively low reps. And we provided a template of a, of a pyramid, you know, a 5-3-1-3-5 three, three, pyramid. But there are a lot of good paradigms in kind of that low rep, you know, kind of, um, you know, uh, kind of regime, you know, uh, the rip method, you know, just doing five sets of five. You know, basically the idea is to focus on working at at least 85% of your capacity for each set, and and keeping the sets small enough to maintain your form throughout the set. And and we we're very we're very careful to, to tell uh, the people that we you know our readers, it's really important that you get with a trainer, you know who show you shows you the proper form for these lifts. If you don't know how to do a squat, if you don't know how to do a power clean. You don't know how to do a front squat. You really need to get with a trainer who can train you. But once you've developed the technique, it's it's important that you work in this 85% plus low rep kind of regime, because not only does it maximize the, the use of the fast twitch muscle fibers, maximize the insulin sensitivity, but it prevents the kind of fatigue that causes your form to break down and results in injury.
1: Yeah, I'm a trainer, and I I mean, I don't really train any clients now, but... Oh, man, some of the stuff I see in the gym is like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> people, I, I mean, basic, basic <laughs> lifts like squats. and de- I actually had to teach myself how to deadlift because I didn't really know. how I always knew how to squat and do all those other things, lunges and things like that, but I didn't really know how to deadlift, and I had to kind of teach myself how to do that. But some of the stuff you see in the gym, man, it's like for me, I think they should take everyone – uh, into a gym and just teach them a, this basic weightlifting one-on-one so they'll learn how to do these, you know, use the, do the lifts properly. So it's, it's just amazing how many people are going to know how to do basic lifts.
2: And it, it's, it's funny, Darren, because when, when you see these workouts and when you do these workouts or start to do these workouts, if you were doing, like I was running marathons, like, you know, you know from the book is
0: mm-hmm. I used to
2: go out on like 10 or 20 miles. Um, and that would be a good workout for me, and so, when I first started doing these things, you go in the gym and you 're out of the gym in maybe twenty minutes or something, and you go, you know could that possibly be enough? Could that, you know is it could it really be that simple and that it's a the whole paleo template that we advocate, and I think most people advocate it 's a very simple template, but it 's complicated to whittle it down to figure out what's right for you that works for you um, that, that you know, it's hard to figure out which sport version of simple is the best thing for you. Um, we try to provide that in the book, um, and we try to make it as, a, as adaptable to as many different kinds of people as possible. But it, it can be really complicated on how to whittle it down to make it really simple. But the one of the premises that people have trouble with is the less is more premise. They think that they need to be completely exhausted when they leave the gym in order for them to have had a good
1: workout. Yeah, I used to be true. one of those people. Yeah, I used to be one <laughs> yeah. of those people. I thought if I could exhaust myself and go home and barely walk, then I was getting a good workout, but that's yeah. not necessarily true. Let's talk about eating. So paleo, um I remember when I first uh discovered paleo or started reading about it, I thought it was this really complicated thing. And then I slowly realize that it's not that complicated so let's talk about what can we eat on paleo and what we should stay away from on the paleo diet
2: so um you can eat generally speaking if you can kill it pick it off a tree or dig it up then it's good (laughs)
0: um
2: you know but if it has to go through a machine before it goes to your mouth in order to make it edible like rice like, you know, 90% of the stuff in the supermarket that's on the shelf that has ingredients that you don't know what they are, then it's not meant for human consumption and you shouldn't eat it. It's not part of the paleo template. So that includes meat, fruits and vegetables, um, and a modest amount of nuts. We can get into that if you want. And it excludes all grains, um, whether or not they have gluten in them. It excludes chemicals that you don't recognize. It excludes food coloring. It ex- excludes sugar. Um, it excludes man-made food-like things such as margarine um, and things like that and processed oils, um, industrial seed and vegetable oil, uh, excuse me, seed and um, sort of thing. Of seed oils um, mm-hmm. are off the menu. So that's it? Why? It's not that
1: yeah, well, Why no grains? for whoever wants to take that one. Why no grains?
2: Um, Yeah, so... Go ahead, Jeff. I'm sorry. Okay. No, that's fine. Grains contain gluten. Um, Gluten contains... uh, is a protein in many grains, not all grains, and it attaches itself to the inside of your intestine, and in order for your body to remove the gluten from your intestine, it opens up the intestinal wall, so your immune system can go in there and try to remove the gluten there, and... Mm -hmm. The effect is what's leaving your body through your intestines ends up spilling into your bloodstream, and it can cause a whole variety of body dysfunction issues, including diseases. Um, Other things that are wrong with grains um, that don't have gluten in them and that do have gluten in them is phytic acid. Phytic acid is something that would inhibit your body's ability to absorb minerals, so if you have a plate of vegetables, you're going to get X vitamins from it. But if you have a plate of vegetables and a scoop of brown rice, your body's going to get something less than X, maybe around two-thirds or half of X worth of the vitamins because it won't be able to absorb it because of the phytic acid in the rice. Right. Um, aside from that, Jason, do you want to talk about the glycemic spike?
3: Yeah. So uh, now we're getting into the issue of uh, insulin you know, sensitivity, but basically... Um, so basically, grains have an extremely high, generally have an extremely high glycemic load, which means that when your body digests them, they, they cause a, a rise in blood sugar. So you know, much like listening to Joe for a long period of time, the, the, the <laughs> blood the blood sugar range in your in your uh, in in your body is a pretty narrow band that won't kill you. So so uh, your your body uh, releases a uh, your body's endocrine system releases a hormone. Uh, called insulin. The purpose of insulin is to is to fix the blood sugar problem by uh, by taking uh, uh, glucose, uh, which is another word for blood sugar, to a bunch of different destinations in your body. You know, um, glu- uh, insulin has little you know Mickey Mouse hands with the big white gloves on it, and it takes the uh, the the glucose molecule by the hand, and first it tries to upload the uh, the the into your cells because your cells need glucose for cellular function. Well, then it tries to take the glucose to, to store as glycogen, which is basically rocket fuel for, for your muscles, and that's kept in your liver and, uh, and, and in your muscles. And then if there's glucose left over, basically what it does is it stores it uh, as triglycerides in fat cells, which we don't want. So cycling back, you know, if you, if you eat grains typically, particularly things like corn, corn, uh, or, or things like white rice, they're, they're very easily converted to sugar by your digestive system. They cause a, a pretty dramatic increase in blood glucose, and they cause a large insulin spike. As a result, because most people aren't very insulin sensitive, they cause a, you know, a relatively profound and quick increase in, in body fat. So you know, for that reason as well, uh, grains are, are not a good idea, Other than the, you know, in addition to the digestive issues that Joe mentioned.
1: Mm-hmm. I know when I used to eat. I'm I'm gluten sensitive, but I know when I used to eat bread, I had so many problems with my weight just fluctuating. And now that I don't eat bread anymore, I don't have any problems with my weight. So it's it's something to grains. You you also mentioned something about tomatoes in the book as well, and I wanted to touch on that tomatoes and beans. What's the big deal with tomatoes and beans? Well, you don't
3: want to be around Joe after he's had some beans. I can, I can tell you that. <laughs> In fact, basically, you don't want to be around Joe at all if you can avoid it. I mean, I just, I just lay it out there. But, Joe, you want tomatoes or beans, buddy?
2: Um, I'll take beans. You can have tomatoes. Go
1: ahead. Who, who goes first?
2: Um, okay, I'll go first. Um, beans contain lectins and, um, you know, it's funny because it's it's like saying, I don't know if I could say this word on the radio, but – um, so I won't. But when you know when you go paleo, you don't have any gas, and I think that's a sign from your body that you're doing the right thing. Um, I was going to say our blank doesn't stink, but I don't think we can go that far. But we can definitely say you know we we don't have any gas, and that's a sign that we're we're running our bodies correctly. Um, but whenever you know, what are beans known for? And you know that's a sign, generally speaking, that they aren't good for you. But they also contain lectins and they contain anti nutrients and um, these things wreak havoc on your body. It's actually the plant's self defense mechanism from getting predators to eat it. Are, you know, when you eat enough of them, they accumulate in your body and your body doesn't respond well to that.
3: Lectins are you know, when Joe talks about anti nutrients, lectins are, are proteins that bind the carbohydrates inside your digestive system. And again, it creates an issue of poor digestive function and intestinal permeability. We we talk about leaky gut, um, and and Joe talks about saponins. You know, saponins are related to soap. For instance, everybody rants and raves about quinoa, the complete protein, and so on and so forth. Well, quinoa comes equipped with with a, a molecule uh, called the saponin that uh, you know basically destroys the uh, cellular membrane. Uh, Joe and I talk about it like a phaser in Star Trek. So you know, there, there's really no reason to eat these things. They're they're relatively poor sources of protein, and uh, the, the the associated compounds that they come with are are so digestively kind of difficult that there's really no reason to eat them.
1: Yeah. What about tomatoes? Who's going to tackle that
3: well, t- Yeah, tomatoes come into a class of foods that we put on our maybe list. They're 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 from a family of plants that include. Uh, tomatillos and peppers. And uh, what are some of the others, Joe? Tomatillos, peppers.
2: Gosh, sorry, I don't Joe. know. I have to think about okay. that. Okay.
3: We have a list of them in the book. Uh, mm-hmm. We refer to them as nightshades. So nightshades can be inflammatory for some people, right? And when I say inflammatory, Joe, why don't you talk about what inflammatory means, other than the fact that I'm inflammatory towards you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you can see why we got along so well. Um, I mean, it causes systemic inflammation, uh, not for everybody, but for some people, it causes systemic inflammation. Potatoes are actually in the nightshade family, too. Um, and it means your organs are swollen. I mean, you know, at a very general level for everyone to understand, that's, that's, and it, when your org, you know, a lot of people think that when they go paleo, they l- are losing weight their first week, but it's actually just the inflammation going down on their bodies because they've cut out all the foods that are inflammatory for the first time in their life.
3: And functionally, you see this, uh, Darren. People will Mm -hmm. say all of a sudden, wow, I'm much more flexible. I don't wake up with joint pain in the morning. I can do a back bend. You know, a lot of the time, this is the removal from inflammatory um, kind of foods and compounds from your diet. Now, to be fair, some people handle uh, nightshades fine. You know, I'm not one of them. I I had to eliminate nightshades because... Um, you know, eat, I, and I love I love hot sauce, for instance. I can't eat it. You know, if I have hot sauce on my food, the next morning I wake up and I'm stiff and sore. So, you know, it's like kind of instant feedback. So um, it's one of those foods that we recommend that people eliminate for the first 30 days of their kind of paleo template and then kind of try to start the nightshades back to see how they handle them. But it's pretty epidemic among humans that uh, nightshades are inflammatory.
1: Yeah. So let's get into... Um talking about the other components of what we eat um carbs proteins and fats let's just take fats for instance because there's a lot of things that are coming out uh, about fat now that supposedly saturated fat isn't as bad as we thought it was i believe it was time magazine just did a cover story on um fats and and now they're saying that fats uh, saturated fats rather are not really all that bad for us what's the paleo way of fats
2: Paleo way of fat is saturated fat is not bad for you, um, and you want to stay away from the fats that you can't get without the benefit of a machine. The vegetable oils, the canola oils, the flaxseed oils, uh, rapeseed, peanut, sunflower, soybean, corn oils, all that stuff is bad news. It's uh, polyunsaturated fatty acids, so it upsets your omega-3, omega-6 ratio, and because they, they're very sensitive. So they are prone to easy rancidity, and they oxidize at high temperatures. So when you cook with something like that, it's, it's likely to have um, free radicals in it, and it can cause arterial weakening. Uh, whereas the saturated fat, the uh, coconut oil, uh, lard, beef tallow, that's all good, and that stays very stable at high temperatures. Olive oil is also good as long as you're not cooking
1: with it. Yeah, I, I tend to not use that as cooking. It's more salad. But I've heard that a lot of those oils, that even when they're sitting on the shelf and you're, and you're in your supermarket, that they're already rancid. They're already bad. Have you heard that?
2: Yeah, I've heard that. And they're not actually what they appear to be, too. Sometimes mm-hmm. the olive oil is cut with peanut oil.
1: I didn't know that. Yeah, no. I mean,
2: uh, they're not only sensitive to heat, they're also sensitive to
3: light. So basically, either heat or light will change the chemical composition of these oils. And as Jill mentioned, you know, basically the ideal diet, uh, human diet, we need polyunsaturated fatty acids, um, uh, but we need them in a ratio of about 1 to 1 or 2 to 1 between omega-6 and omega-3 uh, fatty acids, but because our diet is so heavy in these artificial oils, these seed oils, um, the typical human diet, which, and these these oils are very present and prevalent in in processed foods. Uh, It's something like the typical human diet, like 30 to 1. So really, we just want to avoid eating these. You know, all the polyunsaturated fatty acids that you need are present in the food we eat. And and one of the reasons that we bias towards, you know, grass-fed proteins and... uh, seafood, and certain kinds of nuts is because they're very high in these natural omega-3 fatty acids and low in Mm
2: omega-6.
1: And uh, avocado oil is is good to cook with, is that correct? That's right. Absolutely. It's one of the few
2: ones that are stable, one of the few vegetable oils that are stable. I guess it's technically a fruit, but whatever. It's one of the non-animal oils that is stable at high temperatures. Oh, okay. All the ones yeah.
3: that Joe mentioned, and, and also I recommend ghee, you know, which is uh, clarified butter, another great, another great, uh, you know, saturated fat cooking oil uh, mm-hmm. or, you know, palm oil if you can get it. But uh, if you get tired of coconut oil and you want that buttery taste, uh, ghee is fantastic.
1: I haven't tried ghee. I have to try that. When I have uh, avocado oil here at the house, we've, we just started buying that. But I haven't tried uh, much ghee at all um let's get into carbs so you you have the low carb community you have people who carb low like we did back in the day for basketball and then you have um the ketogenic community what's the what's the thing on on carbs um how should we treat carbs in our diet if you are a person who wants to move towards paleo go for it
2: jason yes so um
3: one of the few things that I really enjoy hearing Joe saying, uh, you know, because most of it I don't, is he has this, this <laughs> saying where he says, uh, paleo is not a low-carb diet, it's a low-crap diet. And he, he's absolutely right. So we believe that a ketogenic diet or a very, very low-carb diet is, is, is something that's prescriptive or, or prophylactic. If you have a very serious medical issue where, let's say, you are diabetic or pre-diabetic, or if you have certain uh, issues like Parkinson's disease, or if you're excessively adipose, a low car- or, you know, you have a real problem with insulin desensitivity, where any kind of carbs you eat are immediately going to trigger this huge insulin reaction. Uh, we recommend that, you know, for a while you go low carb. But as a long-term lifestyle, you know, we think it's, the science supports the fact that it's not a good idea. Um, first of all, the longer you do it, the more carb-sensitive you become. Um, uh, You know, we're a little skeptical of the science that says your brain and your body can function on ketones well indefinitely. You know, maybe some people can, but we don't necessarily think that humans are meant to do that. that We think of it more like a backup system, you know, kind of an auxiliary system. So what we advocate, particularly for people who are active, is to eat, you know, a sensible amount of carbohydrates so they can keep their glycogen stores filled. And for people who are insulin sensitive, Insulin spikes are adaptive, right? It's insulin that allows the amino acids that are in protein to piggyback and upload into the muscle tissue for reconstruction or repair. So basically once your body's functioning correctly, you need carbohydrates, particularly post-workout, in order to get your body rebuilding and functioning correctly. Um, certainly the diet that we would advocate is far lower carbs than the typical American diet, which is, you know, a carb-heavy diet with processed carbs, right, and really high, you know, high level, high glycemic load carbs. But Joe and yeah, I are I mean, both. Ad, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Joe.
2: Yep. No, I was just going to say exactly that. That you know, if you compared to most of the paleo community, I probably eat obscenely large amounts of carbs, but I'm still probably in the bottom five percent of people in the country, you know, for carb intake. I just cutting out the grains alone reduces your carb intake dramatically. It's impossible to get anywhere near that without, without eating grains, I do eat potatoes almost every day now. Um, and I don't work out very often, but for my body type that works. Um, but yeah, you know, so it's low carb compared to mainstream, but I do high carb paleo myself and I think Jason does well with high carb paleo.
3: Exactly. You know, and, and Joe and I are both relatively active, you know, Joe, Joe doesn't work out necessarily as much as some, but you know, Joe does work out pretty intensely and he walks a lot. And Joe has developed a certain amount of muscle, which creates a kind of a, an insulin sensitivity, which doesn't go away. So Joe's in a steady state where he requires a pretty significant amount of carbs to, to function. Um, but again, you know, our carb intake, you know, although I don't eat potatoes because I am um, pretty, uh, pretty sensitive to nightshades, I eat sweet potatoes, I eat uh, butternut squash, I eat kale, I eat fruit in the morning, you know, low fructose fruit like berries. So
0: mm-hmm.
3: I would say that, you know, the, the, uh, the, the natural state for most humans who have achieved a certain state of, you know, kind of skeletal muscle mass and leanness is to, to ingest a significant amount of, of uh, carbohydrate. And, and most of the kind of mainstream paleo community, if, if you look at guys like Rob Wolf, which one I really respect and follow, have kind of come around to that way of thinking for a while. It was like this ketogenic diet was like, gee whiz, wow, this is the greatest thing ever. But as they kind of, you know, sat with it for a while and realized that over time it might not be the best way to function once you kind of drop some fat and and stay active, uh, I think that, you know, kind of our paradigm has has become much more logical.
1: Right. So what you're saying with the uh, uh, ketogenic diet is it's more of a um – like a therapy for someone who's uh, maybe struggling with their weight and they get their weight to where they want it to be. But it's not – you don't look at it as a long-term solution for eating. No.
2: Yeah, okay. because, I mean, in order for your body to to get the energy it needs, it needs to shut down some of the other systems. So mm-hmm. it's not a sustainable, healthy state that you can maintain indefinitely, particularly if, you, if you're expending energy and working out at all, you know. It can be really dangerous and you can cause hormonal fatigue, uh, which is what happened to me and I think it happened to Jason too. Um, and, you know, you, you work out really intensely and if you don't fuel yourself properly, you can end up being really fatigued for a long time. It takes a long time to recover from. Your, yeah.
3: body, your body uses a process called uh, neoglycogenesis to basically backdoor the creation of glucose and glycogen from fat and when you have a lot of body fat, you know, when you're heavily adipose and you really need to burn that fat, it works really well. But when you become leaner and, and you're a lot more active, uh, it's really a backup system. So like Joe said, you know, when you get really, really active and, and try to continue to fuel that activity with a ketogenic or very low-carb diet, you can mess yourself up pretty bad. And, and like Joe said, he and I have both been there. Uh, we, both look like little gray, we both look like little gray raisins with, like, little uh, (laughs) with gnarly little muscles with, with like, little bands of fat around our waist. I think he's being
2: flattering, too.
3: Yeah, well, I was, you know, I mean, I I think that, you know, what happens is your body gets into this really high cortisol state where, you know, it perceives you as being in an emergency mode. So the last thing it's going to do is burn fat. It's going to burn all your muscle, and it's really going to, as Joe said, start shutting down other systems and making them function less efficiently. It makes much more sense to us to, to, to operate your body as it's meant to operate with a with a normal intake of carbs and uh, and and a normal intake of all macronutrients. Uh, it makes a lot more sense
0: for us.
1: Yeah. So we covered we covered um, fats and carbs. Let's get into protein because I think this might be a little controversy here with the the whole uh, animal protein um, uh, uh, diagram and. Uh, getting it from you have your people who want it who say you can get enough protein from plants um, but you're saying in the paleo community you really prefer animal animal protein so talk about that yeah
2: i mean you see those memes on facebook they always come up where somebody posts um i don't know how many how many grams of protein are in spinach or whatever but Mm -hmm. you know and they compare that to meat and they say based on that picture that you can, you know, that you can easily absorb enough from plants. And you can, you maybe can absorb enough from plants, but in order to get that amount of protein in your body that, that you can absorb the right amount from, you would have to eat more spinach than your digestive system can handle or more kale than your digestive system can handle. So, um, you know, if if you happen to be a vegan and you're listening to this and it's working out great for you, that's great. But it is my belief and Jason's belief that if you want to perform at an optimum level and you want to get enough protein in your daily diet, you absolutely need animal protein, whether it's from fish or from, you know, cows or from yaks or whatever your animal of preference is in order to get the, you know, all the amino acids that you need in order to get the protein you need.
3: Yeah, Joe, yeah. On it exactly. You know, the, the problem is, Darren, you know, and, and look, Joe and I have no problem with people who, who believe in, in veganism or vegetarianism uh, for ethical reasons, and we get it. You know, Joe and I have our own ethical framework, which which incorporates that it's, it's important to raise animals in a humane, ethical way. You know, but the reality is from a pure scientific point of view, okay, that there are almost no vegetable products that contain uh, complete amino chains. That's just a fact. So that being the case, you have to eat a very wide variety of, of, uh, of vegetable sources to get a complete protein chain. And with that intake, you're, you're getting necessarily a very high load of carbs, and you're also getting all these other compounds like leptins and saponins and phytic acid that we talked about. Um, so there's that. You know, second of all, the science shows, and we talk about some of these studies in our book, that vegetable protein is not as bioavailable as animal protein. And when we talk about bioavailable, it means that these substances contain the protein, but your body doesn't absorb them. So the studies that we looked at showed that basically you have to eat about, if you don't eat eggs, you have to eat about 50% more protein, these combinations, in order to, for your body to absorb as much as you would by eating animal protein. And, and finally, <clears throat> um, there's the issue of... of uh, um, the fact that monoculture growing of grains, you know, in Joe and, and my view and in science's view, you know, causes a, a lot of damage to the environment, you know, quite a bit more than, uh, than, you know, than raising animals humanely. So while we understand that there's an ethical reason that, that you know, for people to be vegan, and we respect that, and, and we get into that in the book, there, there isn't a lot of good science that supports veganism as a
1: healthier choice. hmm I think a lot of times people, I don't know what it is, but I think people uh, tend to move towards veganism as the most healthiest thing. But as like you said, it's according to their beliefs and what they, they tend to believe. Um, I got you guys for probably another five to ten minutes here, and I just wanted to touch on an aspect on the book that I think is very important because this is something that I had to learn. I was always working out and working out and working out. But um, I kind of took time to play and to do different things, maybe meditate and do some things that weren't really affiliated with uh, working out so much all the time and doing the running and the physical part. But talk about that, because you, you touch on that uh, in several different chapters in a book. You talk about playing. You talk about uh, uh, kind of monitoring how you feel and also talking about just taking some time to just breathe. Can you... Elaborate on those those three things, and I don't want to give away the whole book, but which I think I did. But, but talk about but talk about those things. If people, I, I really think they should go out and get the, uh, the get the book because it's, it's worth reading, especially if you want to grasp the concepts of fitness and nutrition and kind of understanding in a real easy layman's in layman's terms. But talk about those three aspects: the the feeling, the breathing, and the playing. Go, Jason. Well, uh,
3: I'll take one of them, Joe, and then, then we'll go to you. How's that? Um, okay. That sounds good. So, yeah, so I'll talk about one of the big issues that, you know, that we kind of, you know, look at. There's a lot of scientific um, evidence behind uh, the idea that stress creates a very undesirable hormonal um, imbalance, particularly related to cortisol. Um, which, as we talked about earlier, can result in unattractive body composition. But let's get away from the science for a while because, you know, every time I talk about science, I can see Joe, you know, getting the rope and, and, and kind of tossing it over a beam in his, in his house, getting ready to hang himself because I, I love to talk about the science. And you know what? At the end of the day, look, we're, we're, we're on the earth for a very short period of time, right? Our life is finite. And if you don't make time to have, you know, to have fun, to play, to do things that you enjoy, to, to kind of look around and smell the roses. How are you going to have a paleo life? And, you know, for us, what a paleo life means is to have the best life you can, to really enjoy yourself, to function at an optimal level. So, you know, screw the science for a second. And, mm-hmm. and the science is there. But at the end of the day, if you don't take time to play, you're not going to enjoy your life and you're not going to maximize it. And, and you only have one, as far as we know. You may have more than one. But let's say for the moment that you only have one. It's a try and shame, and it's not a very paleo way to be. We
2: We aren't meant to be sitting behind desks, you know, for eight hours a day, 40 hours a week, assuming your schedule is that forgiving, because for a lot of us it isn't. You know, how how much time did we spend hunting for food? And that is a physical activity that people were out in the sun doing. But the rest of the time they spent playing. Once their food was caught and picked, you know, they spent – their time playing and enjoying life and you know it's not until very recently as a as a species that we are indoors and we are sitting in front of our desks and we're working um and it takes its toll it takes its toll psychologically it takes its toll when it comes time for you to go to sleep it takes its toll in the health of your relationships it takes its toll in the way your body is shaped from sitting at a desk all day yeah that that extra fat that's there the lack of sunlight, the lack of vitamin D, the higher chances you're going to get diseases from not getting vitamin D. So when we talk about paleo, we have to talk about a whole philosophy. And this is a little touchy-feely, a little too non-science, but it's true. You've got to get in the right frame of mind. You've got to incorporate things into your life that are going to result in a higher quality of life for you. And when you do that, it will show up on your body, and it will show up in how good you feel and it will show up in healthy relationships, and it will show up in the quality of sleep that you have, and you will end up being a happier, healthier human being all around. And, you know, we try to paint all sides of the picture, all facets of the diamond, if you will, in the book, and try to give people that that understanding that it's not just, you know, what happens in the kitchen. It's what happens everywhere in your life.
3: Absolutely. You know, and Joe makes a great point, and this is what we usually lead off with, Darren, you know, one of the mm-hmm. reasons we wrote this book, other than so I can own a small Caribbean island, and, uh, <laughs> is that... Is we have a lot of books for that. Yeah, well, you know, I'm small, Joe. I mean, really small. Okay. Uh, if I could stand on it, I'll be happy. Um, okay, there you go. You know, go. we saw a lot of books in the, in the paleo community, Darren, that address the very narrow subject of food, and maybe they get into exercise. And they're great books. But Mm -hmm. this really is a a lifestyle, and it has to incorporate mindset because a lot of people have very complicated relationships with food and body image and so on and so forth, and you have to address that stuff before you can be successful. You know, they have issues with stress and play. They have issues with just, excuse my language, but being a jerk, you know, getting Mm -hmm. dogmatic about, you know, kind of this is what I do and this is the best thing to do, and, you know, you you shouldn't do anything but this. So we have a whole chapter on telling people basically – once you kind of get on the paleo path and start feeling good, the idea is to spread the word and don't be a jerk. So I think of all the strengths of this book, other than the fact that it's entertaining and, and, you know, with all due respect to Joe, I tease him. He's a wonderful, funny guy. And this book really kind of reflects our interactions and the way we go back and forth. But I think the real strength of this book is paleo really is a lifestyle. It really is a Tao. It's a path, a way to get yourself in harmony with yourself and with the universe and we think this is a unique book because we really try to address all the elements of that. And, and you really need to in order in order to live a paleo life.
1: Yeah, we didn't touch on sleeping supplements, and I, I left that out uh, on purpose just so people would go and get the book. So <laughs> we didn't touch on that. I, I,
2: I want to real quick, Darren, I'm sorry to cut you uh-huh. off. I do want to mention one thing, though, because um, we mentioned the Caribbean island, and that is pretty much a joke because – we do give a huge chunk of profits on this to charity and we're doing it to in part raise money for the farm to consumer legal defense fund.
1: Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah. I do Uh, want a Caribbean Island though. I I really
2: do. (laughs) 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 Hey,
1: um, last question for you guys and I'll let you go. Um, what is your take on just, there's a, to me, it seems like there's a lot of sex that are coming out of paleo. Like uh, you have your strict paleo people, um, that everything's paleo, you don't eat grains, you don't do this, you don't do that, and then you have some people that are a little bit more loose, like, uh, um, and I don't I, I don't want to mention any names, but uh, <laughs> you have the people that are a little bit more loose. You probably know what I'm talking about. But uh, you yeah, have the people that are a little bit more loose. Where do you guys kind of uh, fit into that whole uh, pie?
3: Joe is extremely loose. He's, he's a loose character. <laughs>
2: um, I... I mean, here's the thing is you need to find out what works for you. That's the premise of our book. Where do I fit in? I do very well at 100%. Um, maybe every three months I go out and get a quart of ice cream, and I have fun with that, um, a lot of fun with that. Um, but that's what works well for me. If I, if I went down the 80-20 path, I would feel like shit. Excuse me for saying that, like crap. Um, and so for me, that, that's what works for me. But we don't want to... Impose that on anybody. I mean, just like with the carbs, yeah, we have our philosophy, but there's still a spectrum of of what people can do, and we think be successful for whatever they want to do. Um, we're tolerant of everyone's point of views on in within the spectrum within a certain spectrum. Um, and for me, I you know I do better at 100%. So,
0: yeah, would you and, recommend? And,
2: I'm sorry. Guys. You feel you feel much better, I think, at 100 percent than you do at 95. I think it's night and day, and once you feel that, it's really hard to want to go back. And I but say that to... with an because it's easy for me, being in control of the food supply in my household, and having you know all the other people in the household subscribed with that philosophy. It, it makes it easier for me to do that and say that.
1: Well, I noticed somebody I out there. Say... To... Go ahead, I'm sorry.
3: So I would say, Darren, that, um, again, you know, the, the idea of the book is to present a template, and the template's really good for getting you healthy. Uh, but what we emphasize is is that once you've used the template, which is, which is fairly strict, to get yourself in the direction of being healthy, you're really going to have to experiment to figure out what works for you. You know, I'm, I'm more like Joe. You know, I, I, I have to be pretty much... 100% to function at a very high level. And once you've tasted that very high level, you know, I don't really want to accept less, but, but, you know, there's probably a lot of people out there who, you know, could function really, really well at a lower level of strictness. So the idea is really to find your own path once you, uh, once you kind of get off the template.
1: Yeah, but you have to start off 100%, correct? You can't just, like, morph into your own thing. You have to start at 100% and then you know? find your own way as that goes on.
2: I've seen some people make the change gradually, and for them that's successful, but I think that's the minority of people. Um, I think you need to go cold turkey, and you need, you need to at least be 100% for 30 days somewhere in your path. Maybe it's at the end of stepping down to get there, um, and then for 30 days you're hardcore 100%. But, yeah, I would say for at least 30 days you need to be completely clean, whether it's at the beginning or whether you work up to that.
0: Yeah,
2: at, at the very
3: least, you know the, the idea is to get yourself um, off the glucose dependency and, and get yourself fat adapted. That's the main mm-hmm. problem that most people deal with, and that that's why I have to agree with Joe. You know, really, best thing to do is to is to commit to that thirty days of of really strict paleo.
1: Yeah, I would agree to, gentlemen. The book is uh, it's on Kindle, correct? You can get it off of yep. uh, Amazon. It's on Kindle, Kindle
2: Amazon, um, iBookstore. Yeah,
0: anywhere. It's everywhere. <laughs> it's
3: okay. everywhere you and you can, get it, you can get it on our website at at uh, www paleo dao that's paleo t a o dot com.
1: Good, good, good go. book. I would recommend um, getting that. And gentlemen, thank you for being on the show. Um, I don't know if you have anything else in the works, but if you do, feel free to uh, get in contact with me and come back on. I enjoyed it.
2: That sounds great. So, I have a couple things in the works. So did Great. we. We really appreciate you having us on, Darren.
1: Yeah, yeah we have fun. Really,
2: thank you, Darren.
1: Yeah, thank you for um, for coming on the show. So I'm going to let you guys go, and I'm going to say a few more words uh, for next week. And uh, thanks again for, for being on. Thank,
2: thank you. you.
1: All right. Take care. Take care. All right. That was the Dial of Paleo. And as always, you can go back in. You can actually listen to all the shows on the Blog Talk Radio archives. You can listen to them on uh iTunes. If you want to download them, you can listen on iTunes. And also, I just put this show on Stitcher. I don't know how I forgot about Stitcher, but you can listen to it through Stitcher as well, Stitcher.com. Next week, we'll be talking about pets. I have a dog, and we feed our dog raw food. So we'll be talking about uh, feeding your dog raw food. And also, we'll be talking a little bit about what we talked tonight about grass-fed, the importance of uh, feeding uh, eating grass-fed meats because the person I'm going to interview is from Raw Feeding Miami, and we'll be talking about pets and importance of eating uh, good meat. So join me next week for that with Carla from Raw Feeding Miami. Well, we'll be talking about that, and you can call into the show and ask questions if you want to for that. So next week, same fat time, same fat channel, I'll be back. And if you have any questions for me about the show, you can email me at darren at fat, that's P-H-A-T, Dash man, so Darren at Fat Dash man, send me an email and I'll try to answer your questions. If you have any questions um, regarding the show, do you have any questions for guests, I can reach out to the guests and get your questions answered from them as well. So, again, talk to you next week. See you next week. Good show. Thanks. Peace and love.